Welcome to Tilting at Windmills with your host, Mike Donahue. And welcome to another episode of Tilting at Windmills. I think this one's going to be particularly uh, entertaining as I'm with uh, two guests who I'm diametrically opposed to. Is that the right word? Completely? 180? 360? Um, either way, for those of you who, who know me or maybe don't know me, I eat basically three things. I eat meat, cheese. <laughs> And potatoes. And it, two out of those three are not vegan. And <laughs> so tonight, uh, uh, two, two, two vegans uh, that come from sort of different spots on the vegan spectrum uh, are going to try and talk to me uh, about uh, the benefits of veganism and why I should consider uh, becoming one. Um, so welcome tonight, uh, Laura. Uh, who is a longtime vegan. Hi, Laura. Hi, Mike. Hi. And Stacy, who is sort of a newish vegan. Yeah. Ish. A little over a year. A year. Oh yeah, that's a good that's a good you're you're out of the telling every single person you meet that you're a vegan stage. Yes, I am. <laughs> okay. Good. And you're still so, It's amazing. <laughs> so I and I, I don't want to say that I'm completely against veganism or vegetarianism. I guess I feel like um, you know, vegetarianism is kind of like a lapsed Catholic and veganism is like full bore Catholic. Like it's there's there's big differences. And I myself am sort of sympathetic. I'm I've been struggling with something for the last couple of years um when it comes to eating bacon. Because I love bacon, and there's literally nothing. You have a conscience that kicks in when it comes to bacon. I do a little bit because, again, for me, it's like I know pigs are intelligent. Like I know they're intelligent. They're just as intelligent as dogs, or or maybe more so intelligent more than dogs. And then I yeah. look at my dogs, and I'm like, I wouldn't eat my dog. And every time, yeah. you know, I see some video of like someone adopting a pig, or you know, pigs, you know, running around and I don't know, doing math problems or whatever the smart ones do. Uh, it, it makes me feel bad about the incredible amount of bacon, pepperoni, and sausage that, because it sounds like a pizza, it is, uh, mm. that I have consumed in my entire life. I mean, I have laid waste to the pig population in North America. It's single-handedly. <laughs> But wait, Mike, are you still eating it or, the, or your conscience has gotten to you and you've stopped eating bacon? So I, I stopped for about two weeks. <laughs> and I, I, like, I, really, I felt like I was going off heroin. I, oh. I, I, oh. I, the, I got the shakes. No, I was you did not. I was... I was I was like, you know, how, like at McDonald's um, and, and it was Burger King. Like I would just, I would, I would walk up to the window, the plate glass window from the outside. And I would just put my hands on the window and like, just look at people eating bacon. It was, 
it was not a good it was not a good time for me it was it was close to rock bottom and i kind of finally said like i was ordering a pizza and i was doing another you know uh cheese and pineapple uh which is what i had sort of settled on and then i was like you know what why didn't you do mushrooms okay yeah we do mushrooms no i get it so something else i when I do stuff, I do stuff to the extreme. So when I say yeah. like there's meat and cheese and potatoes in my diet, that's like all it is. Like I don't eat vegetables. Um, I don't normally get lettuce on my burger. Um, tomatoes I eat when they're in ketchup. Uh, I like, I don't, uh, you know, half the vegetables, half the vegetables that people name out to me, I don't even know what they look like let alone taste like, uh, or rutabaga. What? Um, so that's, that's where my world is. So I'm a little mm-hmm. sympathetic. Um, I'm a little sympathetic. I feel again, when it comes to the pig and bacon and meat thing, I feel, um, kind of like a Frenchman and Nazi occupied France. And you have these resistant vegan fighters running around fighting the meat loving Germans. And I'm like, I'm there and I'm comfortable and I, I kind of appreciate the efficiency the Germans have brought around, but then I'm also feeling kind of bad for the resistance and I kind of want them to win. Um, that's probably a horrible analogy. Uh, that's kind of where my head, my head is at. So let's try and get this back on the rails. So if that's possible, there's, there's, there's a number of arguments I would guess that, that go to why vegan, do you both, is it safe to say both of you believe that, veganism is a is a better healthier choice uh for 90 plus percent of the public yeah absolutely there's there's no doubt a healthier choice for yeah a healthier choice for us individually but also for us collectively and for the planet okay so and the animals certainly porky um (laughs) so there's two main if if i understand it right there's sort of two main channels to to the veganism position number one on a moral slash ethical level right Mm -hmm. it's 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 bad to eat stuff that has a life that has you know feelings wants to do nothing but make other little pig babies uh it's it's just ethically we don't need to do it uh so we shouldn't ethically be be doing that um and then there's the scientific portion right so science wise uh beef beef is you know cow farts, methane gas, um, you know, the transportation, uh, processed foods, it, they're bad for you, et cetera, et cetera. So I break it down sort of like into a me- uh, moral ethical argument and then like a scientific mm-hmm. argument. Mm-hmm. Is that is that about right? Is there a third rail that I'm not seeing? Or And the scientific part, I think, also goes to the saving the planet and better ecologically, that, that sort of stuff. Well, the scientific part would also include health reasons, too. You know, it's... Um just a fact that, you know, vegans are less likely to develop heart disease or cancer, diabetes, high blood pressure. They're in general, not always, but in general, up to about 20 pounds lighter than meat eaters are. They're just uh, generally healthier. These are, these are facts and figures and statistics, not, um, not ethics and morality. Um, so there's that. I think on a scientific perspective, it's better for your health and it's better for the health of the planet. 
Yeah. And, and if I could just throw one little wrinkle into that, I had an unexpected um, spiritual experience, if you will, which is how I ended up vegan. And um, I, you know, certainly knew all of the arguments and had been vegetarian on and off here and there for 20 years or so. But it was just this epiphany one day, just this complete epiphany that I realized that I was sitting in court and actually what I was doing was I had just recently started um, meditating for the first time, unfortunately. I wish I had found that, you know, a couple of decades earlier as well. But I was looking at a brochure for a meditation retreat. And one of the promises that you made in joining the retreat was that you, they, as they said it, you agreed not to eat meat that was murdered or food that had been murdered. And mm-hmm. seeing it phrased that way, just I imagined that moment before an animal slaughter where they're flooded with stress hormones. And I thought, if you look at this from a metaphysical standpoint, if when I'm consuming meat, I'm consuming that pain. Mm-hmm. I and don't the want and the terror that yeah. an animal goes through leading up, you know, a few minutes up to its uh, murder. Exactly. And I am not, um, truth be told, a very spiritual person. Um, I uh, have spent a couple of decades rolling my eyes at these sorts of things. But that just really hit me that I know there have been three or four times in my life where I've had extreme stress moments and I felt that rush of hormones. Um, And I just just translating that, I thought, I don't want to be consuming that pain. I don't want my body to be composed of that. Now, I had a friend who after that said um, that halal uh, foods, foods that have been uh, blessed by a priest, the meat is not slaughtered that way. They're blindfolded so that that rush of hormones and that experience doesn't occur. Um, That's Mm -hmm. not enough to make me go back and want to eat it. But I I mentioned that because... You know, spirituality is not something that I would have thought would have led me to veganism. But yet that's of those of those two arguments of the two of the two paths or the two buttresses of of the veganism, your you side, your primary motivation is on the moral ethical side, or at least that's how it started. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would say it is. It it is because when I I when I have cheese now, when I have dairy, I do feel guilt. So and it's it's guilt. It's 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 ethical guilt more so than what am I doing to my body to destroy it kind of guilt. Yeah, not like the kind when you eat a vegan donut, which which you're saying right. I shouldn't be eating <laughs> a vegan donut, but at least there's no guilt associated with it, right? Yeah, yeah, I. I eat vegan ice cream um, with uh, no reservation oh, yeah. whatsoever. Oh, and yeah. and I should say, Mike, I consider myself a ninety-five percenter. That's how I how I term it. Um, I don't stress things like, "Oh, this might have eggs in it. I'm not going to eat it." When it's the only thing you know that mm-hmm. looks reasonably like a fit on a menu. Um, 
And recently, I'd say the last couple of months, when I go to social events, I will sometimes eat cheese. If I'm out with friends at restaurants and we split things, I'll eat things that have cheese in them just because it makes it so difficult for everybody else. And taking that pressure out of it where, you know, the only thing you could get in an entire restaurant was broccoli, um, taking that out of it and saying, okay, this is one of those times where I'm going to eat cheese, it took all of the, the hard part away, if you will. If you will, so but I don't struggle. Feel, you still feel guilt though when you eat that cheese. A little bit, yeah, I do, I do. But I'll tell yeah. you, I mean, uh, to to go back to your bacon issue, when I do eat cheese, I really enjoy it. <laughs> and <laughs> if you are simply vegetarian, we all know those of us who have been vegetarians for any extended period of time, um, a significant portion of your diet is cheese. You are eating cheese almost every day, if not every meal. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, going vegan, you, you, you really remove that. And if you tell yourself it's only going to be an occasional situation or, an, you know, some sort of special occasion where I allow myself to have cheese, then when you do, that cheese is really, really good. Um, so if you said to yourself, for example, I'm only going to have bacon on special occasions, and then that resulted in you eating maybe even 50% of the bacon that you were eating before, not only would your body be happier, um, but the bacon would probably taste a lot better. Mm, doubtful. Bacon, bacon is one of those things that's just sublime constantly. Every time. It's like, it's like an In-N-Out burger. Like every time you eat it, you're going to get... Well, I well, you guys wouldn't it. know. We we use uh, pigs are the most like humans that um, yeah. You know, when we need a new valve for our heart, we use usually we'll get a our an aorta from a pig. You know, our eyes are very similar. If you ever looked a pig in the eye, it's very much like a human eye. And I would encourage you to do that, Mike. Just look a pig in the eye sometime, um, because you really do feel like <laughs> without pig. without. Trying without to bite it? it without trying to bite it, because I would say maybe human beings might taste like bacon too, um, mm -hmm. and because we are so similar that you know there'd probably be probably be nothing more delicious than than human flesh to us. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so with that yeah. lovely thought, um, <laughs> pizza, yeah. pizza, and, and by the way, by the way, Mike, I dare you to try pizza. a vegan In and Out burger. Or, or an animal oh, style wow. in and out oh. burger without cheese and without meat. Stacy, have you tried the Beyond Meat uh, Carl's Jr.? Oh, yeah. We had, we had, this, yeah, yeah. We had Beyond oh. Beef uh, sausages for dinner tonight. But yeah, yeah, Carl's Jr. nailed it. Del Taco nailed it. Mm -hmm. Ruby's. Uh, Ruby's. Yeah. Ruby has one now, too? I, yeah, Ruby's is the Beyond Beef burger. Nice. I tried, I did try the Del Taco. Um, I forget which which one it is, Beyond Beef. Beyond uh, Beef. And because I, I figured to myself, I was like, okay, look, if it's if it's basically a dollar more per taco, I'm willing to spend a dollar more. As long as it tastes the same, I'm willing to spend a dollar more so that Moo Cow doesn't get the chop, mm -hmm. right? Nice. And it didn't. It just. I, and here's and here's the dilemma that I'm in. I eat so much Del Taco. I am a sommelier of del taco cuisine like i know how the meat tastes and and like where which which del taco the taco came from is how much del taco yeah. i eat oh, so yeah. so uh for me 
like the very first bite so heavily spiced and mm -hmm. but the texture was there it it felt like i was biting into a real taco and i could kind of trick my mind into thinking yeah okay here's a beef taco so on first bite i was like okay yeah and then then the aftertaste kicked in and then bite two and then bite three and i couldn't like i couldn't finish it but i'm not trying to say that i'm the norm but like for me it it still has a ways to go not that yeah. either of you care well it's it's like anything you have to um adjust your taste you you get used to it i mean when i first mm -hmm. went to uh, soy lattes instead of whole milk lattes it was a weird taste to me or an almond milk latte it tasted weird at first now uh, it's absolutely normal and when they yeah. accidentally give me a whole milk latte or something with real cow milk in it i right. it tastes terrible it's just a matter it's of yeah. you know allowing your taste to change and if if yeah. the taste I, I think you have to boil it down to um is the taste that much different that it's worth killing an animal for and destroying our planet for that's the question you need to ask you know when i first went vegetarian it was purely for animal reasons i i was an on again off again vegetarian since i was 17 purely because i love animals i just love animals and um i fought it throughout my childhood with my parents with my mom saying i didn't want to eat meat and they kept saying no you have to eat meat to be big and strong you have to drink your milk you have to eat meat and so I just did it. And finally, I just kind of got inured to it. And I stopped worrying about it. Then when I hit about 17, and I got rebellious, like a lot of girls are, or a lot of people are when they're 17, I decided to stop eating meat. Um, and I was vegetarian for a while until um, got married, started raising kids. And then I kind of went back to the old, oh, my gosh, I've got to raise my kids. I've got to make sure they're big and strong. So I better start feeding them meat. So I started eating meat again, too. So I became like a, a regular carnivore while I was raising my kids. Until we went to Orange County Fair one day and my 13 year old mm -hmm. daughter, we were, of course, in the animal section in the petting zoo, looking at all the cute baby animals and petting the baby pigs and the baby lambs and the goats. And my 13 year old daughter said, Mom, I don't want to eat those anymore. And the light bulb went off in my head again. And I said, Oh my God, you're right. This, she just reminded me of myself when I was a child. And so I said, okay, fine, we're going to become vegetarian. So my daughter and I went vegetarian at that point, um, which was about 20 years ago now. And, mm -hmm. um, and I was, I remained a vegetarian purely for the animals until I read a book called skinny bitch in 2008. 2009 I think 2008 and I was trying to lose some weight and I was trying to figure out how to do it and I saw this little book called skinny bitch and I, I picked it up and it was a real quick read and after two hours I stopped eating meat and dairy permanently now I can't say I'm 100% like you Stacy sometimes mm -hmm. you know I'll be served something that may have some egg in it or may have some cheese in it and I'm not going to throw a tizzy fit because I just think that mm -hmm. that makes you it makes it more difficult for people in general to transition when they see people who are vegans acting like crazy people. Um, mm. uh, so it was, you know, at that point that I realized this isn't only about the animals. It's also for health. Who knew? I had no idea until 2008 that it was that much healthier for you and that would help you lose weight and it would uh, 
pretty much, um, you know, reduce your odds of colon cancer by like 65% and reduce your chance of heart disease by half and just on and on and on. And of course, there was the environmental side and being a tree hugger my entire life, nobody had ever told me, you know, the, the effects that animal agriculture was having on our earth, which is just another huge piece for me. And, you know, I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense. It's basically unsustainable. We don't have enough earth to feed our growing population meat and dairy. Something's got to give. And I'm hoping that these plant-based meats, um, I don't want to call them fake meats. I want to call them plant-based meats, start to really take off. They'll develop further. They'll taste better. Um, I think they taste great right now. But, you know, for the Del Taco connoisseurs like Mike, you know, perhaps they've got a little bit more tweaking to do, but I think they're getting really close. And soon we won't have a choice. Yeah, it was definitely closer than anything. I Because what was the other, what was the little vegan shop, Native Foods or something where they would uh -huh. make fake looking food? That stuff was inedible to me. Like that was just like, I can't. I love Native um, Foods. And it, was, and it was doubly bad because not only was it inedible, it looked like something really good. And it was like that double whammy of not only are we going to surprise you well, that it's like, not what yeah, you're thinking. What were you eating over there? I think they have great food. I love native foods. But what were you yeah. eating? Cheeseburger? Like, they had like a, it looked like a grilled chicken. There's one that looked like grilled chicken that I think was a mushroom or something. There was, oh. there was other stuff. Yeah. Uh, Mike, have you tried I, the Impossible Burger? I have not. That's that's up next. That's okay. that, that's on my on my to do. But let me let me try and push back a little bit here because we're, I'm I'm getting um, the the cabbage is starting to rise up above my my neck here. Um, <laughs> the there, there's some pushback on some of that. So first off, I guess on the moral ethical side, there's really not a whole lot you can say because that's so individualistic. It's so personal, right? But so I guess I guess if if you don't is it just the fact that it's a living animal like do fish fish when fish get okay. killed so okay. yeah yeah <laughs> like where that's, where do you draw the line and then like the bugs right, and then right. that that's something that I really struggle with um, you know we we spend a lot of time in Baja in Mexico and um, the the entire food scene down there revolves around what they call ocean food, seafood. Um, and I have friends that that run a, um, a really, really good um, seafood cart uh, in our, our little housing uh, tract, right in our little area there. Um, and I want to support them. And so I've actually, I have another exception to my veganism, which is I will eat shellfish when in Baja, um, which so is about by, one. By the end of this, you're going to be eating steak with no, more. No, exceptions do not swallow the rule. They do. They don't swallow the rule. But I just have a few exceptions for very specified reasons, and I'm at peace with them. Um, and one of those is that in Baja, because I did spend the first eight or nine months eating uh, rice and beans in Baja, uh, almost exclusively. Um, but just adding the shellfish to it, I, I was okay with that. In the end, what it for me, the struggle was asking myself, if I had to kill this, could I? Um, yeah. And and I, I was able to draw a line. I, I, I can't kill fin fish, right? I, 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 cannot, I can't go in 
I, I couldn't kill a fish out of the ocean and skin it. I know I'm incapable of that. Okay. So, you know, serving they, they in Baja, they do this thing called whole fish where they serve the entire fish to you um, cooked, you know, in its skin and everything still. Um, yeah, and I usually ask people to cover up the eyeball or something, you know, <laughs> with a lime or anyway, I can't do that. I, I have not done it, but I suspect that I am capable of gathering and cooking, i.e. killing shellfish. Um, so for me, that's, you know, because I don't want, I mean, a lot of this in terms of having the spiritual experience was just being honest with myself mm -hmm. and, and not lying and sort of compromising myself ethically. Um, and, you know, I, I know that it's a dubious distinction, but I am able to make that distinction for limited periods of time and be okay with it. Okay. So, but that's your thing. So, so that's still that's, thing. it's very individual it's because it's moral. It's ethical. very individual. And, and you know what, having that and having the, I will eat cheese at weddings, you know, uh, exception, or if I'm out with friends and they want to split something that has cheese in it, having those things is fine. At the end of the day, you know, I still will have perhaps eaten a pound for the entire year of, of, you know, dairy combined or shellfish combined. I mean, it's, it's so seldom compared to the pound that the average American consumes of animal products a day. Right. So, still, I mean, that would be the you're still going to get grief from the vegan community. You're, you're I not, a, I don't, I don't do this to get approval. Look, I'm in my forties. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. a, you know, I'm in the decade of I don't give a fuck anymore. Yeah. Right. So I don't care what vegans think of me. Sorry, Atkins. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. That's, that's no, that's good. So, Laura, where 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 do you fall on that, Laura? Is well, it I, is it the same? I completely or? understand what Stacy's saying about. And that is exactly where I started was if I cannot kill this animal myself, then I don't deserve to eat it. I cannot ethically pay somebody to do my dirty work so that I can put my yeah. blindfold on and eat something that tastes good without really understanding how it got onto my plate. If I can look a beautiful cow in the eye or a pig in the eye or even a chicken or a turkey in the eye and kill it, then I should be able to eat it. And I guess there are people that can do that, that just don't see that an animal has a soul just like we do and wants to live just like we do mm -hmm. and feels pain and fear and love and uh, emotions just like we do. And anybody that owns an animal or owns a dog or lives with any sort of an animal in their house gets that and totally knows that. Um, so that's exactly where I started. But going back to the original question, the word vegan, I mean, are, are quote unquote vegans going to get mad if we occasionally cheat? I don't even like the word vegan, to be honest. I don't like labels. I don't want to be called a vegan, even though I probably could be. I'd rather be called a human being that prefers to eat plant-based foods. Just get the word vegan out yeah, of it. Yeah, but it's way longer. Yeah, it's way longer. <laughs> it's, a big, it's a really long handle. Uh, vegan, it, like everything in life, you know, when it's short, like, you know, any, any slogan is short, it, it eliminates a lot of nuance. And it's simpler, but yet um, it puts you in a little tiny tight box. And then people it does. look at your shoes, go, wait a minute, are those leather sandals? Right. <laughs> you know, or what's that? Right. And then we, we, we end up with these ridiculous self-imposed quandaries. 
you know, I knew for a decade that my conscience really required that I not consume animal products, but I could not get myself over the morning latte. I tried every <laughs> plant-based milk there was. I didn't like any of them. I couldn't do it. Um, and then, of course, I did, Laura, just like you say, finally did adapt. And I yeah. just figured, you know, if I have to drink it, my, my lattes without milk, you know, just do espressos, I can do it. I finally yeah. got to that point. But looking back, I think, well, why didn't I just say, fine, I'm going to have my morning latte with the milk from the fridge, but the rest of the day, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to consume animal products. I think I would have been so much happier and at peace with myself having done that. But the label, you know, of veganism and vegetarianism and stuff comes with these restrictions where ultimately, you know, we pigeon, pigeonhole ourselves into these places where we really don't need to be. I would have done much more good for myself, more for the planet, more for animals if I had just said, okay, I'm only having, you know, this four, four ounces of milk a day, and that's the only animal product I'm going to consume instead of, you know, battling it. Yeah. But Laura, you don't, you don't see that as a slippery slope? Um, no. no. I, you know, we are living in a carnivorous world. Uh, you know, yes. 20 years from now, we will not be. 20 years from now, everybody Wait, what? Everybody in no. 20 years from now, but right now we're still living in a carnivorous world. And so we, we, you know, the, the more we restrict ourselves into these tight little boxes, the harder it is. And in, including anybody that's might be listening to this podcast, that's thinking about it. I wouldn't worry about, you know, you're either a vegan or you're not, you're either a carnivore or you're mm -hmm. a vegan. Try it a little bit at a time. Start with one meal a day or one day a week or, you know, a couple meals a day or I'm vegan from from nine to five. And then after, yeah. you know, just just start yeah. to to do it bit by bit, step by step, transition into it slowly. Try it out. Don't go cold turkey if you're really not ready, unless uh, you've had a snap. spiritual experience, if you've had this light bulb go off like like Stacy described it's really hard because once you have that light bulb go off really and you mm -hmm. start to do your research in this darn thing called Google you can actually start to Google slaughterhouse videos and you don't want to go there but you go there anyway and once you see mm -hmm. it you can't unsee it because if slaughterhouses mm -hmm. had glass walls nobody would eat meat nobody would eat right. meat and so right. once you see it, it's hard to unsee it. And so, you know, you take 10 steps forward, two steps back, but you're going down that path, whether you like it or not, once you know. Yeah. And Mike, I, I think personally that the slippery slope is not in the exceptions, yeah. but in the the package, the, the containment that we have ourselves up in. I mean, my husband said he couldn't do this because what if he wanted a steak? I said, well, if you want a steak, just have a steak. You know, I, I and I made that rule for myself. If I want a steak, I will have a steak. Well, it's been 14, 15 months. I haven't wanted a steak once. I think about it, you know, would I, could I? There's an event that we were invited to, the big barbecue. I don't want it um, for the reasons that Laura just described. But, but that's where more harm is done to the ideology in saying that because I've got this label, you know, I can't do this. If, if, if you consider yourself somebody who just chooses not to consume animals because of the cruelty involved, but occasionally does, 
you're going to end up consuming, you know, so much less overall, and you're not going to be battling the way you are with the 100% ideology that, that, you know, prevents people from making this kind of lifestyle change. So I, I think there's other arguments to be made about there, like the whole serial killer who says, well, I'm only going to kill one person a month instead of 10. But that, that's a bit of a stretch. I want to I get back to the, the concept of the food chain and about how it sort of becomes easier to eat stuff the further down the food chain they are, right? So it's, it's really hard to eat a horse. No one wants to eat a horse or a dog uh, or pigs or, you know, even mammals. rabbits. Mammals you know, in general. Like mammals, right. Um, but then, like, if you get into, especially I think the big line is obviously at fish, right? Because isn't there debate still about whether or not fish feel pain? Oh, that's um, really, of course they feel pain. Right. Fish I mean, hold a fish out of water. You can watch them suffer. Yeah. Well, they're they're suffocating. Which isn't right? pleasant. Probably. Well, like for us, it isn't. But so and then we go like so neither of you would eat. I know. Uh, and then below fish or along the same level, shellfish uh, and then insects. So so I know this is going to sound goofy, but like, where are you guys on eating insects? You wouldn't do it. That's if, yeah. if a cricket, chocolate cricket. I probably wouldn't because I'm having to come face to face with it, right? If it turned out that it was in something that you know disguised, I mean, I could, I, I could be fine with that. But the way an insect would probably be okay. presented to me would be, you know, screaming, "I was an insect," and yeah. you know, then the gross factor just kicks in. And crickets are kind of cute. I mean, look at Jiminy Cricket. Right? I mean, if they've made a Disney cartoon out of it, we're not going to eat it, Mike. Uh, well, then I have some apologizing to Porky Pig uh, and, and Donald Duck. But then, uh, you know, then, but then I think about ants. You know, I do. I, I kill ants if they come in my kitchen. I'm going to kill the ants. I don't think I'm yeah. going to eat them though. I, there's really no purpose to eat insects. I don't imagine. Yeah. I've never eaten one, but I can't imagine they would necessarily taste good. I think they would probably. Taste well, well why, so why the line? Though? Why would would you kill? Like, what about rats who come on your property? I would never kill a rat. I have lots of rats that run around on the back wall, and I think they're adorable. <laughs> Jesus. Um, so did the victims oh, of the bubonic plague. Um, nah, so, the, what, like, what, just because they're. Because I think that there's that scale of intelligence and emotion, and that that's a big part of, especially I think tying into the moral ethical side about why people are hesitant to eat those creatures. Mm -hmm. The more the more they can emphasize or anthropomorphize them, um, the harder it is to to chow down on them. Yeah, and yeah. I'm going on a cruise uh, next week, and I know the cruise will have escargot, which I had always insisted was my favorite food. Um, and, you know, I could make the argument that escargot falls in the in the shellfish realm. Um, but the truth is just thinking about eating it right now doesn't make me feel very good. So it's, you know, it's likely that I, I won't eat it at all, just because in the end, the, the sense of conscience is more important to me. Yeah, even snails, they, you know, they've got those eyeballs that that stick out and they walk around and there's nothing worse than stepping on a snail accidentally. You just know mm -hmm. that you just 
took its life and you didn't mean to. It's just, it's a horrible feeling when you, when that happens, right? Mike, have you stepped on a snail before by accident? I I have, and it's not pleasant, but, and I do, I do feel a little bit, I, again, like I say, I have this sort of commiseration. I have this uh, sort of sympathy uh, for what you guys are talking about, because I am that guy who you know, will will go out of his way to avoid stepping on a snail. Um, and I feel really bad if I do step on one. Um, but again, I don't know that there's a lot of logic embedded in that. Um, but anyway, it's anyway, let's, let's. Well, I think like, I think what you're describing, I think what you're describing is the dilemma that most people experience. Uh, I, I have a friend who um, teaches philosophy of vegetarianism, actually, believe it or not. It is oh, a class. Christ. Wow. Uh-huh. And, up for that. <laughs> yeah. And it was, she, she insists that 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 most of us, most carnivores really do know that it's wrong and we just choose to do it anyway. So, you know, coming down to the ethical decision, most of us know that's, you know, we don't have the ethical debate. We just sort of choose to engage in self-deception and say, I'm going to do it anyway, and my choices are not going to affect my identity of myself. Um, um, I I guess what I'm saying is, if you look at it from a perspective of, I'm going to be really honest here, once you start doing that sort of thing and addressing it and pulling back that veil, not not just the veil to the animal industry, you know, and seeing the PETA videos and all of that, pull back the veil to yourself. And say, what do am I am I deceiving myself? Am I lying to myself by saying this is okay? Once you actually sort of do that exercise, you don't want to feel like the barbarian that you are by continuing to take part in that entire industry. <laughs> okay, so now we're now we're getting into the the meat of this thing. I'm a barbarian. Um, I'm a barbarian carnivore. So, so to speak, the meat of this thing. Yes, right. let's go whole hog. Yeah. Um, so, so the issue, like the issue, and this this honestly is something that I wanted to get to, is it it ties into this whole, again, going back to Laura's comment about labels, the label of the vegan and the stereotypical vegan, right? The looking down and so no, let's forget just the blatant sort of self-advertisement virtue signaling that I'm a vegan, but also the sort of implicit condemnation or, or sometimes outright condemnation of people who just want to enjoy a BLT. Right. Um, like I've, I've done that. Like when I went without bacon for two weeks, God help me. I just, at the end of the two weeks, I was like, you know what? I, I don't want these pigs to die just so I can have a tasty sandwich, but you know what? I've, I've made my peace with it except that like, I really haven't because it still mm-hmm. bothers me, but right. To say, like there, there was that moment, and I think I'm just going to try and ramble here for a second. We, we were, t- I was talking the other day with someone about about politics and the intersection of morality and politics, and I, I think, and what sort of the one of the gists was was that when when you get morals and you start taking stances on on moral foundations or or subjects that involve morality. Uh, you become much more animated about it. It's much more visceral. It, it, it touches you a lot deeper. Um, and that means that people that are on, quote unquote, your side, you're much more attuned to. And then people who are on the opposite spectrum, you view as morally incorrect or 
morally deficient. And I, I think that for, especially maybe for, for those vegans who, who are especially fervent about the moral aspects of veganism, that, that us carnivores, us normal people tend to feel like we're being looked down on a bit. Does that, does that resonate with either of you? I was, I was going to say, um, it, it's a very similar argument to politics and religion, really, except it's even more so because it is totally visceral. It is what you eat. It is what you're made of. It's not just what you think. It's, it's who you are. So it is the most visceral um, stance of morality, morality that you can take. But for the same reasons that, you know, I can't handle the purists in the political party who, you know, the ultimate, mm -hmm. whether they be, I don't care which side of the, the spectrum you're on politically, but those purists on either side can be really annoying. And same with, you know, religious people, the purists that look down on people. I would never want to be a purist when it comes to, you know, a plant-based diet because, um, it repels people. And that is true of politics. It's true of religion and it's true of diet. It pushes people away because people, um, not only do they feel judged, but they also feel, um, unworthy or, or whatever it might be. So that's why I think Stacy and I are both coming from the same place where just get rid of the label altogether, transition slowly or quickly, however you want to go. But the fact of the matter is we need to transition. So start to look at all these reasons why it'll make it easier for you as you transition. We don't really have a choice. We have to get there eventually. Yeah. You know, just do it, do it and, at your own time. And, and Laura's right. This is a carnivorous world. I mean, I just made my kids chicken nuggets for dinner. Mm -hmm. um, they, you know, they say the word vegan as if it's poison. Mm -hmm. um, although I will tell you one of them ate a beyond beef sausage tonight. And I told him afterwards, after he ate it and said it was good, that it was vegan. Mm -hmm. um, that's the only luck I have around here, getting them to eat meat alternatives. Um, but I don't, I don't fault them for, for choosing to eat meat. I don't fault others for choosing yeah. to eat meat. I right. mean, this is a carnivorous society. It's just that I personally know that it's a battle I don't want to have with myself anymore. Mm -hmm. I feel better just saying I don't need that. Um, I, and I do feel better physically. I mean, there are hosts of, of ailments that veganism, you know, does, does help. My husband's blood pressure, for example, normalized within three months of going uh, vegan. And that's the first time that had happened in his adult life. Mm -hmm. um, I have acid reflux that was significantly reduced by going vegan. Um, so, I mean, there are, there are physical benefits and stuff, but I think the for me personally, the greatest benefit is just the the spiritual, ethical, moral battle of the self that I don't have to have um, by you know not engaging in in the self deception anymore. Right, so, so let's talk about the scientific part then, because I think there's people listening that are gonna they're gonna key into and understand the moral ethical portion, and then there's people like me that I just want to see facts and figures, right? So, and I struggle, I'll, I, I can't argue, one of the issues is I can't argue with anybody's sort of morality or, or ethics, it's, it's, it's too ingrained. But we can talk about facts and figures. And, and I mean, th there are debatable areas here. 
I, I feel like I really want to push back a little bit on on the concept that that veganism is necessary. I'll put it in that category, necessary for the preservation of the planet. That's a that's to me is a very strong statement that's probably outside the realm of accuracy. Mm-hmm. And Laura, you know more about that. Well, so. no, you know, I, I'm really kind of uh, I'm rusty on my facts and figures. My brain has been immersed in the world of, of politics for the last three years. Um, if if we had had this conversation three years ago, I would have had a lot of facts and figures at my fingertips. But I will say that, you know, I would refer people to uh, watch the movie Cowspiracy.com. It's on, uh, I'm not sure if it's on Netflix, actually, but you can go to the website Cowspiracy.com. And I, you know, everyone should watch this movie. Basically, most of our global greenhouse gas emissions are coming from livestock and the the byproducts of livestock and the transportation um, via road, rail, air, whatever, to get the, the products to the slaughterhouse, then to get it to the market. Most of our of the earth's total land is covered by livestock. It's crazy, but it's mm-hmm. true. The water use um, is... Mm-hmm. The water use is extraordinary. It's yeah. extraordinary. You know, for... You know, one hamburger is like, you know, I, I can't remember a thousand gallons of water for one hamburger. It's equivalent to showering for like three months or something like that. I mean, it's it's insane. The amount of water, the amount of energy deforestation. I was just uh, reading about the Brazilian rainforest is just being leveled right now, which is without the rainforest, um, which sequesters the carbon out of the atmosphere um, are climate change is, is just going to ramp up beyond our wildest expectations. We're but, but that's not, so the, the, re, the rainforest deforestation in, in some areas is being cleared for, for livestock, but in, in the, the vast majority, it's being done for, for logging purposes. Uh, uh, right? not, not what I've heard. Well, it, it works both ways. I mean, they, they're, they're clearing the logs, they're selling the logs and it, the the number I've heard is 90, 91% of the Amazon is being used for animal agriculture. And it's even, it's gotten okay. even worse under this new, um, very far right, uh, Brazilian president. I can't remember his name right now, but it's, it's just gone wild. Yeah. Um, the species extinction that that's coming, we're going through a mass, uh, extinction cycle right now on earth because of the rainforest being cleared and, all of our wilderness area being cleared for for livestock. Um, the fishery, the oceans are being overfished. Our population is right. rapidly growing, so people all think they want to eat a Western diet now. Even in China and India, where before they used to be vegetarian mostly, now they all think they need cheeseburgers. You know, and it's um, right. And it's if I could just add, you know, Mike. I- I think the 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 argument isn't necessarily that the planet is going to have to go vegan to survive. It's that we cannot sustain the current levels of animal agriculture that that we have become addicted to. Um, you know, I, I was looking at a menu from a restaurant um, at the Mission Inn. You and I are both the from the Inland Empire. Um, no, no, don't. We're going to have to bleep okay. that out. All right, there's we're not no going to go there. So there's there a hotel. are no pictures. <laughs> there's, there's a hotel out there. 
really? that was operating in the 1800s. And uh, hmm. I was looking at a menu from there um, a couple of years ago from what they would have served um, for that day. And it, there was very little meat on the menu. Almost everything was um, based around fruits and vegetables. And my husband and I were trying to figure it out. And we thought, well, that makes sense because the transportation network wasn't in place. So, you know, you couldn't get all of these things. So, you know, so, I mean, really, just from a practical standpoint, things were farm to table. Um, and that probably didn't include slaughter all that often. So if you look at it, at the human diet historically, I don't think that there's ever been a time where we have as human beings, have consumed as much animal agriculture as we do now. Okay. And that's what's not sustainable. Yep. So, so let, me, let me ask a very quick question. Where do, you, where do you two come down on lab meat, like meat that's actually grown in a lab? Because I've heard that that's hit about $11 per, per burger now and decreasing all the time. Is, is your question, is it good for others or would I personally use it is or it eat a, it? it yeah, I guess that's what it boils down to is would either of you eat a lab based Ugh. a lab growing I wouldn't piece of meat. I, I I don't feel the need to even want to eat meat anything that would be remotely like meat. I mean, that's hard to say. I I love the beyond meat kind of products, the impossible burgers, those kind of things because my mouth still craves the the texture of meat, but if I Felt yeah. like it was real meat, like flesh meat. It would make me throw up, even if it was grown in a lab. It just it would be too close to the real thing, and I'm just now I'm just too. But that's me. I mean, if people that love the taste of real meat, if it's grown in a lab and it tastes good and and it's gonna save our planet and save the animals, go for it. But there's no reason to eat meat. In fact, it's bad for us why why do we want to eat all this extra cholesterol and and besides anything that's grown in a lab i would be a little suspicious of too i don't know and, and it's sort of like o'doul's right i mean yeah. uh, you know our, our society so is a coffee. bunch of meat addicts <laughs> yeah or decaf coffee so anything that anything that helps you know stay away from this vice this thing that's hurting you and hurting others um is useful i personally would eat lab meat um, but again, I, it doesn't mean that much to me. I don't really care. Uh, you know, here's the other thing, you know, you, this is not anywhere near as hard as you are probably thinking that it is. Um, oh, it's hard. It, oh, it's hard. Well, hold on. You know, I'm, it's easy for most people. What? For Mike, I think it is going to be hard. Oh. For, yeah. for most for people, for those people, of you listening out there, normal it's, people, it's, it's probably really easy. If you like a variety of different foods. There's pretty much yes. every single thing that you can make with meat in it, meat lasagna or all kinds of casseroles or breakfasts or anything that you've ever made in your kitchen, you can substitute plant-based dairy or plant-based meat or olive oil for butter and go pretty much 100% plant-based and make everything that you've ever dreamt of in that kitchen except for a big, thick steak. It's the only thing that you can't really replicate right now. But, but that's normal people that like all kinds of wild, cool, interesting foods. For somebody like Mike, is, though, hmm, 
I think I'm out of luck. Um, you know? So, so let, let's bring it back to politics. A lot of potatoes. Uh, and, and you just need a lot of potatoes. A lot. Oh my. Stuff. Well, that's the Irish. <laughs> I'm genetically predisposed to potatoes being Irish. So let's bring this back to politics. How many Republican vegans do you know or have met? Oh, I, I know. I know quite a few, actually. Republican vegans? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Is when it? I was um, doing a whole food, a whole earth wellness, I was running a plant-based nutrition company um, before I got into politics. And those were the days when nobody ever spoke about politics. Just this was all before Trump. Once Trump hit, you know, hit, then everybody's, everybody's talking politics now. But before Trump, um, I had, I ran webinars. I had clients all across the country that I coached long distance to transition to a plant-based diet. And I would say 50% of them were Republicans, uh, but we just never spoke. We never talked politics. And uh, they did it for all the same reasons that a, that a Democrat would do it for, um, for the animals, uh, for their health, uh, or for the planet. There was no talk about politics at all. Um, then once yeah. Trump hit, then um, suddenly I started shouting at the top of my lungs don't you guys realize that you know the big piece is if you are voting for republican politicians um they don't believe in climate change and so there's there's that big disconnect um that whole piece oh. about the planet and environmental reasons is thrown out the window if you if you vote for Republicans. I tend to think that the Venn diagram of conservatives and vegans is they're not the circles aren't even touching. That's just my that's my take. But I guess I can introduce you because, to some. maybe that's your next podcast. Republicans is that like a secret society? Do they have like a secret handshake? How no, like I just don't know any Republicans, so I don't I couldn't comment. Okay. <laughs> why do you think that get, getting back to the label that both of you hate, why do you think it is that when someone says vegan, they're automatically thinking of some, you know, dreadlocked Birkenstock patchouli smelling poncho wearing hippie? It's just because that's the way society is portraying them or the media is portraying them or whatever. I found a lot of the Republic, a lot of people are Republican for one reason only, at least a lot of the Republicans that I know it's because they are religious and it's because of the abortion issue. That one issue is the only thing that keeps them voting for the R because of abortion. And they have a very high value of life of all life, whether it's um, animal life or, the life of a fetus. So they don't believe in killing. Just not anything. young children. Life. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that's, those, these are the, the, the Republicans that I know that, that are also vegan. They, um, yeah. I mean, you can disagree. Are they, and out of curiosity, like, are they open about it? Like, is it, do you think a, a, a GOP vegan would, would catch flack? But you guys catch flack for me. So again, how I don't, do you guys they're feel? not going to use the, the term vegan. They're going to call themselves plant based. That's what they're going to do. Okay. Right. But how, how fed up do you guys get at people like me who, because I've been talking a lot about how vegans kind of look down their nose at us meat eaters. 
How defensive do you get? I mean, do you think vegans get picked on inordinately? I don't feel that way. No, I don't think so. And I and okay. I hope no. that I don't feel that. Uh, I hope others don't feel that I'm only by my children. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how old are your kids, Casey? You got little ones. They're eight, eight, and ten. Okay. Yeah, three of them. Eight, eight, eight and ten. Oh, boy. and uh, you know, they're they're cuisine runs the gamut of hot Cheetos to top ramen. Yeah. Um, Perfect. You know, Sounds the, like more, the more packaged. Life's going to move yeah. in if you're not careful. You know, Mike, <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> I, they'd I, be I, happy I, I here. <laughs> they should move in with Mike. They'd all live happily. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh my all right. So is there, I think we're running out of time. Is there, is there anything and and from my perspective, again, I tried vegetarianism mostly to try and impress a girl. Uh, so that really didn't work out. And then I tried the no pig for and I lasted two weeks. But I'm I'm I I would encourage people out there to consider, especially if you're someone who's, you know, overweight or maybe has some health conditions. I don't I don't think I'm on board with completely eliminating meat, the whole concept of a well-balanced diet. Um, and the major food groups is still pounded into my skull. But I do think in, in general, uh, shifting some of the percentages around is, is probably a ben beneficial thing for almost everybody out there. And without making it a liberal communist, you know, as Laura said, tree hugger sort of stance, it's just sort of a practical day-to-day -day betterment, if that makes sense. So I, I would suggest people start poking around, start Googling, you know, watch what was the name of the movie that you suggested and the, the book was skinny bitch i'd also suggest they watch cowspiracy physicians committee Sorry? for responsible medicine pcrm.com physicians committee for responsible medicine has a lot of information about um vegan jump starts uh 21 day meal plans things like that and Stacey, any 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 resources or anything that you found helpful i would add what the health Another yeah. one, uh, just go on documentaries on Netflix and, and they're going to be trending. I mean, what I think, I think what the health, yeah, I think, um, you know, the vegan movement has exploded over the last 10 years in particular. And um, there are those who make the argument that it's because of the greater availability of uh, meat alternatives. But frankly, I think it's because of the documentaries on Netflix. Mm -hmm. um, they change lives. You know, my husband watched two of them and he was a convert at that point. Yep. Um, I think it's because it's a first world luxury. There is sort of a, and again, you guys, I'm sorry. I mean, there is sort of a, a bourgeois aspect to it. it. It tends to be, you know, middle class, upper, upper middle class people who, who, and this is, I'm pulling this just out of thin air. Um, but that is my, my guess is that that's the segment of the population. The ones who can afford to do it are the, are the ones doing it. That's the real um, part about it because we subsidize the meat and dairy industry and it, the real cost of a cheeseburger should be $200, but all of our um, tax dollars go to subsidize the meat and dairy industry. And actually it's the opposite of bourgeois. Most indigenous people mm -hmm. live off of uh, grains and f berries and fruits and vegetables. That's but that's because they don't have a choice. Well, yeah. They don't have a McDonald's. If they had a McDonald's, they'd be eating at McDonald's. Yeah. 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 yeah I don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah. When I, I started uh, becoming vegan forced me to start cooking, frankly. So a little over a year ago, I had to dive into that. And um, I had to learn Indian cooking and Chinese cooking. And I made things like sandbar in Indonesian food, um, you know, because uh, traditional American cooking does not lend itself well to, to vegan cooking. Um, but there are other cultures all over the world that are dang good at it. And that's because they're cooking with the stuff that they grow on their property. Um, and, and part of me envies that, you know, that, that they don't have many of the health concerns and the identity and weight concerns that we have because they don't, they're not bombarded with this overflow of, uh, you know, addictive substances that are really bad for them, um, um, you know, and, and food in many societies on our planet really is still just fuel. Right. But you can you can both agree with me is that the fact that America grew up as a meat eating country is why we're the greatest nation on Earth. <laughs> Maybe the fattest nation on Earth. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. And with that, we are going to wrap up. Um, Laura, thank you so much for participating. Stacy, thank You're you welcome. so much for your uh, insight. Uh, and again, I, I encourage you folks out there to at least take a peek. Do if nothing else, to, just take take a educate yourself. Do it, a take your take your peek. Okay, thank you both. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Okay, thanks, Mike. Hey, y'all. It's Mike here with my normal um, post um, interview uh, thoughts. Uh, the the time where I get to completely rebut people's arguments without giving them a chance to respond back, um, but you know there was we, we really focused really heavily I think on the the moral and ethical sides which gets into the fuzzies um, and the not so black and white stuff um, and a lot less on the black and whites and you know I'm not a fan of just people throwing stuff out there. Um, including myself, you know, which I'm guilty of doing. But I would really suggest that people take it upon themselves to look up some of the claims that have been made, um, to look up the scientific, modern medical analysis of what it's like to be on a vegan diet. Um, and also, I think, to dig into uh, the impact of livestock based um, diets on the planet and the environment. I will be really honest with you. I really like in the chain of things to worry about. Um, I kind of get the feeling that, you know, that aspect of it ranks, you know, somewhere below, below uh, mass pollution and, you know, paving over the earth's surface, uh, fracking, etc. Um, but should we be worried about it? Probably. Will I let it keep me up at night? Probably not. You know, that said, it's funny, the day after um, I did this interview, um, I was speaking with a, a friend whose daughter is going to vet school uh, for the first time this fall and said that the, the experience that sh shook her daughter the most uh, was when they had to kill a pig and it wasn't the killing of the pig so much it, they they had killed goats and whatnot before but the fact that 
as they were leading the pig to be slaughtered, the pig started crying, which I then had to Google. And yes, it's a true thing. Pigs do cry tears. Uh, they understand, as far as all the scientists know, they understand grief and loss and the ability to mourn someone. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it was that epiphany minute, you know, that uh, Stacy and Laura were talking about. Um, but just the thought of killing something that was crying about being killed uh, is a little too much for me. Um, and so I'm going to try again. And I may fail again. But I'm going to try and cut pork out from my diet. And I understand that it is a grain of sand on a beach. But I just, uh, it's, it's hard to shake that image from my head. So anyway, again, I, I recommend everyone out there to, to start doing your own research, um, start investigating and think about it. Think about it next time when they ask you if you want bacon on your cheeseburger, just say, meh, I'm okay. Thanks.